When creating an exit strategy, business owners can't just account for the health of their books. They also must consider the health of their brand. Financials say a lot about an organization, but public awareness can mean the difference for a company that sells and a company that sits. I've known the talented PR team at HKA for many years, and I've seen firsthand how marketplace visibility equals marketplace value. If your brand needs a boost, contact the marketing communications experts at HKA by calling 714-426-0444 or visit them online at www.hkamarcom.com. Hi, this is Bill Black from the Exacoach Radio Show. Last year, a business owner friend of mine died suddenly and tragically, and his family was unprepared. In his honor, I'm giving away 1,000 of my ebooks entitled Business Continuity Five Steps to Protect Your Family Free. All you have to do is text the word family to 44222. That's family to 44222. Don't let your family be the victim of an unplanned business. Text family to 44222 for this free information today. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Well, welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, I'm real excited about my next guest. Uh, She's Holly Green from the Human Factor, Inc. And um, we're going to talk about uh, using your brain to win in in a hyper-paced world. And again, this is a topic we hear about all the time. Everything's moving so quickly. Can you believe uh, how fast last year went, how fast last month went? Any reason to think it's not going to happen any any faster than it has been? I don't think so. So we're going to talk about how to use your brain to win in a hyper-paced world. Holly, welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for so much. Uh, you know, the Human Factor, Inc., it's an interesting name for a company. Tell us about <laughs> your your background and how you started the Human Factor, Inc., Certainly. I have a bit of a schizophrenic background. I've done a lot of different things. I worked for some of the world's best companies, including everyone from the Coca-Cola company to AT&T to Dell Computer. Um, And after a lot of years in the big corporate world and having all sorts of research and resources right at my fingertips, decided that uh, I could best serve others and help them be successful if I kind of went out and formed a company that really was focused on that. So my educational background spans across everything from a BA in BS, which is actually behavioral sciences, okay. <laughs> um, a, master, <laughs> a master's of science degree in organization development, and then I've continued postgraduate work in neurophysiology. So I'm most fascinated and enthralled by how does our brain work at work? Um, how do we really learn to take advantage of and leverage the fact that we're not logical, rational creatures? And although we constantly expect that from others, we, we almost never get that. And so how do we take advantage of that? And how do we learn from all the other sectors out there, everything from elite military teams to Olympic athletes to top NFL referees? Um, and I have the pleasure of working with a lot of those kinds of groups as well. And how can we apply what they do to truly be elite into the business and nonprofit sector? Since that's where most of us are going to spend more of our life than anything else to do. That's so, fascinating. 
you know, and it seems like uh, we we expect as a species we expect so much. I mean, we're the the only species I can think of that expects so much of itself and then disappoints itself when it can't deliver those, and it's constantly striving to meet expectations uh, sometimes that are that are just uh, almost seemingly beyond what what we're capable of. So it sounds like you've That's had an interesting great background in that. <laughs> yeah, you don't you Certainly don't see have. many. You don't see many deer out in the field like, well, I'm really disappointed with the way things are going today. <laughs> I expected, <laughs> I expect that I would have beat the other deer across the field, and uh, I just didn't, you know. Which, which they don't, they don't put that on themselves. Why do we do that? Isn't that funny? It, it is a fascinating thing, and um, you know, I've never really quite looked at it through that lens. But that's a that's a really good one, I think. Um, you know, listen, our our deepest and most core instinct is to win. It's what drives survival. It's what drives so much of what we do each and every single day. And, you know, oftentimes we have this definition of winning that means other people have to lose. And certainly if we look at sports and some other sectors, that would be the case. It doesn't have to be the case at work. It doesn't have to be the case in our individual and personal lives um, either. And so winning can mean, you know, the high tide rises all boats. Um, I'm a really big believer there's more than enough to go around for all of us. And so it's how – We define winning, how focused we are on it, and how we make sure that we're structuring all of our time and attention to really move towards it each and every moment. It's incredible. I mean, it it can be exhausting. I mean, you you say that winning is not important, but I've been I've had a sales career a lot of my life, and it's it's vitally important. If it's no fun to go home and say, "Well, I almost got the deal," I mean, that doesn't cut it (laughs) for very long. (laughs) And my apologies. Winning is absolutely critical. It is our core instinct. It is what drives us. It's just that winning doesn't have to mean other people lose, right? So it's all about how we define winning and how we move towards it. So winning is absolutely critical, and I don't think at work we take enough advantage of that. Um, We don't, for instance, most days define it with specificity. People show up in an organization, whether it's five people or 5,000 people, and everybody walks in with their own definition. Um, so everybody's running a race. Everybody's working really hard, uh, but they're all working on various things that, that maybe don't align. You know, it's, if you use a sports metaphor, it's like some people are at a little league park, some people are swimming in the pool, and other people are at the football stadium. Right? Mm-hmm. Good point. Good point. And, you know, and uh, I just had a, a guest on that uh, had recently traveled to uh, to Burma in that area of the country of the world. And he said he gets mm-hmm. back into the back country and people are existing for their daily bread kind of thing. They're just yeah. they're just existing. It's a whole different type of a thing. So this is some this is a game that we've created that we're 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 willingly playing uh, in our in right. our little culture here. And so what are the some what are some of the toughest issues facing today's business leaders that you've identified? Well, I would say I think the greatest challenge today is unlearning, and that probably sounds fairly counterintuitive to most people. But really, the world is changing so fast that what got us to this place is not going to necessarily serve us well tomorrow and next week and next year. But because of the way we're constructed as creatures and the way that the best we know today our brain works, we really dig what we already know. (laughs) We like what we're familiar with. It brings us a great sense of comfort. And so we like doing the same things over and over. We like sticking with, well, that's the way we've always done it here. That's the way people in our industry do it kinds of things, Um, and the ability to unlearn periodically, to be able to refresh or question 
some of those things have become an imperative. And, you know, I could go through a very, very long list of the 87% of the Fortune 500 that are out of business since 1967. And the Mm -hmm. churn on that list is going to continue to get faster and higher as we see the rate of change continue to increase. You know, doing it the same way is not going to necessarily serve you well. And, And, in fact, likely is not going to serve you well. Well, and and I think a point there is that it used to be if you learned something new and did something new in your business, let's say it's a new marketing technique, it might serve you well for a period of five or ten years. These days, you are constantly under pressure to keep up with some of the new technologies that are coming up because it's happening. It's not every five years. It's every six months or something new coming up that you better be on top of in some way, shape, or form. And so the the pressure is mounting with technology. Would you agree? Yes, and, and technology is the key enabler of this pace and this speed uh, that we're operating at pretty ineffectively today, quite frankly, in most regards. Um, we do a lot of strategic agility work with clients, and we do quarterly check-ins, um, constantly a refresh, a rescan of the environment, regulatory forces, competitive threats, um, and that doesn't have to take hours and hours of time. I mean, the beauty of the technology today is we can get to almost any data we want almost instantly. And so it's amazing that we have so many tools at our fingertips, but we're just often running so fast we forget to pause and even look at any of those things. Yeah, it's that incredible speed of access and movement of information these days that's created a lot of a lot of expectations. Again, uh, the movement of information being uh, it used to be you would send a letter to someone and wait for their reply. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, right. boy, oh, then the fax machine came along, and, man, we can move a letter quickly now. We can move it across the country in a matter of seconds. And now the emails that people get these uh, incredible numbers of requests to to fulfill some new kind of a, a information request on a daily basis, and it's right. it's really taxing a lot of people. Now, a lot of our audience is age 50-plus business owners, and they're starting to think about, mm-hmm. you mentioned unlearning, about unlearning what they've been doing for the last 20, 25 years, maybe longer, and starting to learn a new way of, of what they're going to do with their time and their life. So there's a whole different right. topic we can talk about. Um, but let's talk about how we can use our brains better. How can we use our brains a little bit better no matter what we're doing? Well, you know, our mantra is pause, think, and focus. So (laughs) we always tell people your brain loves when you visit um, and you slow down enough to really think. And and it does require some time and some space. And it's a fascinating thing that that is mostly what's gotten stripped away from most of us. These pressures that we do collude with um, tell us that we don't have time to slow down and think, that we just got to run, run, run constantly. And so I often tell people, you know, is it better to run and have to do it over and have that meeting three times, or is it better to slow down for a minute or even two minutes and get it right the first time? And slowing down is counterintuitive in today's world. We have absolutely we've stripped out the time to gather data, uh, especially diverse data. We've stripped away the time to have deep conversations. We, we tend to talk more and more on the surface of things. We pay attention more and more to sound bites. Um, the media is less and less accurate as far as news, if you will, and, and that, that word in the broadest sense. So it's really fascinating that uh, trying to slow down even for 30 seconds or one minute 
to process, to understand why you're thinking the way you are, what data you have in your head, what assumptions and meaning have you attributed to it, why might others have different assumptions and meanings. Um, it, it's just been stripped away from all of us, and it makes us fairly ineffective in many, many ways. Yeah, I was just going to ask you another question, and that is, do men's brains and women's brains work differently when it comes to the notion of multitasking? Because what I've heard is that <laughs> women multitask effectively and men just suck at a lot of things at the same time. <laughs> because we, well, I would now, probably that, love to believe that one, but... <laughs> now, you would that know. That is one of you've the top... Yeah, that's one of the top myths. Um, you know, men's and women's brains structurally or from a hardware perspective are no different. And no one can multitask. Um, period, end of conversation. It's one of the top three myths we've carried with us for 50 or 60 years around the brain. We're pretty sure today that you absolutely positively cannot multitask. Now, let me be really clear on that. You can walk and chew gum and probably talk on the phone at the same time. Um, however, some of those are what we would call more rote behaviors. And okay. one of them is your thinking behavior, and that should be probably talking on the phone. The moment you're doing that, though, and talking on the phone, you're not doing other thinking behaviors. For instance, you're not paying attention to that curb or that person that you're about to run into or that the light changed and you didn't look up. Um, so you, at best we know, and, and I'm always really cautious around this because we're truly in the infancy of understanding the adult human brain, and we've got probably more to unlearn than than we've learned in the last five years, and we've got... We're just on the brink of, of beginning to understand this amazing tool we have. Um, so you can do rote activities, multiple rote, walk on a treadmill, etc. Um, but you can only do one thinking activity at a time. And what happens when you're trying to do two thinking activities at a time is you're just switching back and forth. That's all. And there is a price that we pay in the switching. There is a cost to that switching, and it's time. And it's efficacy as well. So the best way to kind of demonstrate this is if you play any sort of computer games or if you engage in something like Lumosity or any of our brain-building tools that, that are widely available to people today, you try and play a game where you have to pay attention and focus and do something, um, and <laughs> what you realize is if your emails are blinking in the background and someone's trying to talk to you, et cetera, you score incredibly low on those games compared to when you're focused. And it's such an obvious indicator of how we're not able to do multiple thinking tasks at a time. Good point. So, okay, so to rephrase it then, I guess multitasking might work, but multithinking does not work. <laughs> you know, How's that? It's, it's a, you know, yeah, it's not, it's not bad. The problem is, again, you're, you're single tasking, you're just switching. Well, th right. this is You're the problem with, with with people that think it's okay to answer a text while I'm sitting at a at a traffic light. There, anything can happen oh when you're driving, yeah. right? I mean, you're really yes. you really have you think you're just looking away for a second, but your brain can fool with you in that way, and, and a second can turn into twenty seconds, and anything can happen in twenty seconds. Well, even three seconds, if we think about it, right? I mean, it's um, and and the problem with driving, and it is one of the the greatest examples today, and something that behavioral scientists overall are deeply concerned about. Driving is what we call an overlearned activity. So, a couple of things play into that. Number one, you've got uh, typically by the time you're our age, <laughs> the the audience age, um, 
and I certainly resemble that. Um, you you have you've spent a lot of hours doing it. You think you're better at doing it than you actually are, which is a very interesting notion in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And you don't realize um, how how complex the activity is. It feels comfortable. It feels almost like rote. And so you begin to treat it that way. And that's why people think they can text while they drive. Or even talking hands-free on a phone is something we absolutely recommend against while you drive. You shouldn't do it. Um, you cannot really, do the two tasks. You're, you're really in an unpredictable environment, and you should be paying full attention. So we, we, all, we all know right. that. Now, let's talk about um, a single tip that you want to make sure everybody gets. Um, I think one quick, simple thing that we often start by helping people understand is, you know, spend the first three minutes of your day to pause and think about what's going to get you, what, first of all, what is your definition of winning? Define it with specificity. And what in that day and the day ahead is going to get you closer to it? It is the best possible time management tool, prioritization tool you could ever possibly have. And, you know, just listening to your, your previous uh, show um, and the person talking about that before is absolutely right. Being able to focus on what's most important to you and to get that clear in your head first is critical to you being effective and successful. And then reforming what we call a belief bubble or just a bubble in your head, that that time is more important than anything else. And I'm talking about three minutes. You know, you don't have to stare at your navel for hours. It's three minutes to really say, of what I do today, what is going to matter a year from now? What is going to get me closer to winning? What can I focus on that will really make a difference? So really resetting your image clock, your belief clock, and and thinking positively about about outcomes and a lot of people get up and they start worrying right away and and so that can <laughs> that can have a lot of impact on the rest of your day. Yes, no question about it. Listen, as an adult human, we are better at proving ourselves right than any other single thing we do. We constantly seek to prove ourselves right. It is the filter we use in which to screen in and screen out the data that's presented to us. And we speak about it and focus on it constantly. If you layer that on top of the notion that our brain does not discern positive and negative in many ways, for instance, if I tell you, oh, gosh, don't make a mistake on that. Whatever you do, don't make a mistake. What your brain registers is make a mistake, right? If I say right now, don't think of a pink elephant. No matter what you do, don't think about a pink elephant. What are you thinking about? Um. Pink elephant. I mean, <laughs> you just described my golf game. Don't hit it in the sand trap. Don't hit it in the sand trap. Yeah, so, and so what do you do? You hit it in the sand trap. Your brain is so insanely powerful, but it's also got these kind of weak points to it, right? So you want to focus always on what you want. Measure what you want, not what you don't want. Focus on what you want. Measure on what you want. Think about what you want. And it's amazing how the your Proving yourself right clicks into play instantaneously and instinctually to move you towards that. doesn't mean you won't have problems or glitches. Don't get me wrong. Great stuff. You know, it, it really comes down to understanding the, the instrument that we call our brain. And you have a couple <laughs> books that you've written. One of them is called More Than a Minute, Being an Effective Leader and Manager in Today's Changing World, and also Using Your Brain to Win. And our listeners can go to 
www.morethanaminute.com to access that that both of those books and learn more about you. Is that right? Absolutely. Well, it's just been fascinating talking with you. You know, the problem with some of these interviews is they just go by too quickly. This is certainly one of those. <laughs> and, I, and I would love to have you back on the show at some point and talk more about this, about some specific tips, especially as I, ta- as I alluded to, the, the unlearning of, of going to the office every day and the, the relearning of how to, be, uh, how to create a significant life as you transition your, your world from, um, from being uh, a known commodity, the, 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 uh, the business, to what your mm-hmm. life is going to be about next. So, Holly, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure talking with you. You're most welcome, and thank you. I'm happy to share. And our website does have dozens of free tools and, and different things that people can access and use. So I encourage everyone to take advantage of that. Again, that's morethanaminute.com. Uh, Thanks very much. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back, so please stay tuned. You're listening to one of many shows on ExitCoachRadio.com. We're interviewing advisors, authors, and thought leaders for their best tips, ideas, and precautions so you can be well-planned. If you'd like to be a guest on any of our shows, go to guest.exitcoachradio.com. Exitcoachradio.com. Come listen for a minute. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 